0: The following podcast contains adult language and themes. Listener discretion is advised.
1: For many of us, religion gives us a sense of belonging, fellowship, and shared values. But what about those who've seen the dark side and have lived to tell the tale of how things look from the other side? Religious and spiritual trauma takes so many forms and causes deep, painful wounds in those it touches, many from a young age. How can we heal? How can we shed light on the darkness that exists when abusive tactics are used in the name of God? So now I ask that you join with me and my panel of awesome disciples, oh, as wise as they may be, as we delve into the unholy sermon. As it was written by the host of thy podcast, Matthew, season 2, verse 6, this is the Going There podcast, Thou Shall Not Tune Out. Hallelujah! get ready to open your heart and your mind because we're going there.
0: Taboo topics are back on the table.
1: So hopefully you're listening to this on Sunday, the Lord's Day, because that's the only day you're allowed to listen to a podcast. And as long as it's Christ-based, there's going to be a lot of satire in this episode because we're talking, of course, about church trauma. And before we get into the meat of it, let's introduce our amazing panel. It's going to help us get some healing, starting with... Shannon Blower.
0: Yeah, my name is Shannon. I am the Director of Pastoral Care and Services and Education at SUBA Health System, and I primarily focus on uh, palliative patients and end of life care. Um, And you all met
1: Megan in the uh, previous episode, but reintroduce yourself just in case they're just now tuning in because they just have to hear the gospel.
2: All right. Uh, So my Mm -hmm. name is Megan Cox. I was a participant in the Way Down docuseries on HBO Max, and I'm also the founder of Beyond Zion Foundation um, and Mm -hmm. just a regular old Midwest
3: mom and wife.
1: And uh, returning from previous episodes as well as Mandy.
3: Hi, I'm Mandy Kirsch. I am a um, co-owner of a private practice in Akron, and I primarily see um, kids, young adults, and, um, and kind of transitioning to adulthood clients. Um, so I'm glad to be back.
1: And we're all still trying to transition to adulthood here, yes. so we really... Like, Me too. <laughs> <laughs> your your, your uh, view is going to help us a lot today. And then last but certainly not least
4: is Brian. Uh, my name is Brian Arroyo. Um, I'm a cyber defense incident responder for the FDIC. I know that's a long title, but I really just tell people not to do stupid stuff on the internet. Uh, and also a uh, church trauma survivor. So Brian and
1: I, our wives uh, went to high school together. Um, they were a few years behind me, so I didn't really know either of them that well. And we all go out to dinner, I don't know, last winter? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It wasn't that long ago. And we're talking, and Brian happens to mention, yeah, no, I know you. We went to the same church. And I'm like, yes, we did? And <sighs> I'm going to I'm gonna preface all this by saying, one, I don't necessarily know that I need to name the church. Because to call the <laughs> church a cult it's not a it's cult light it's it's cultish it's cultish in the way that a lot of evangelical movements have been in recent times um but i also think it was funny because while we both probably tried to forget a lot of those experiences it took over the entire evening and i kept apologizing to everybody at the table i'm sorry we're still talking about this and, and there comes my anxiety of trying to talk about too much in this topic tonight. There's no way we can unpack all of this. We, we can't even unpack the beginning of the beginning. So what we can do is open up some space to talk about what we mean when we say church trauma and share some personal stories along the way. Brian... I think I mentioned, do you remember that I started a fight club in the basement of the church? I do. And the first rule of fight club is you don't talk about fight club. Certainly not. The first rule of church is you don't say anything bad about the church. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're here to do today. So...
0: Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of. But I, I, I want to say something about trauma that is really insightful. You two couldn't help but talk about what you didn't want to talk about because trauma is stored in the body. So when you see someone who has that same cellular structure, you just can't freaking help it. It's going to come up and 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 I think that that needs to be honored. I think we need to just be able to say like, "Oh damn, you like we have a shared experience, and to the degree that we hide or don't hide that is the degree that we can heal and have deep connection so I, I yeah. look for you guys what's
4: interesting is that we uh, I, I don't I don't really talk about it, not because I'm unwilling I mean certainly willing here I am um <laughs> but it's just that I don't have anybody in the community of people that I'm among that has a similar experience. So when we had dinner together and he started gabbing about his experiences, I was starstruck a little bit only because like we were so simpatico when it came to the result. So, I mean this is this is great. I think people who hear this are really going to maybe you know take something away from it if they feel the same.
1: It's that same energy and passion uh that you know, Megan and I had our first Zoom call before we did any of the shows, and she could not get me off fast enough because I'm like, I, I, well, what about this and we how? I could about- have
2: been there all night, and I'm okay with that <laughs> because it feels so good. You know, it's to get out and to relate to somebody.
1: And, and and I'll say this: like my trauma, it's not it's not putting a number to it, but is, is so small and nuanced compared to some of the things I've seen, which I think is the problem. A lot of people don't realize that they've experienced trauma. But I want to begin by kind of uh, restating what Shannon was saying. It's like, let's not forget how incredible, courageous and special it is to have people who are willing to share their trauma and help us unpack it and give us a different perspective. I will make jokes throughout. Uh, So just know that's my defense mechanism. Uh, You know who actually was the first person who ever told me that I experienced, it wasn't the word trauma, it was spiritual abuse, was you, years ago. And when he told me that, I'm like, nah.
0: Yeah, it's a classic move because what what we might be talking about is complex trauma which is this notion of it just happens over a period of time you don't notice like a slow drip and it's impacting you it's impacting the way you see life it's impacting the way you're engaging the other am i safe am i not safe how much of my individuality do i have to get up uh, give up rather to belong to the group all that kind of stuff that goes on is a complex trauma it, it's not in the you know the uh, the uh, manual yet uh but it's real and any of us that have ever experienced that uh, raw emotion of feeling unsafe uh, and feeling alone, get it, right? We just, we just simply get it, and not to be able to speak about it—you, uh, you cannot say the emperor has no clothes on. You just can't.
1: Oh, until uh, you can't. You're, and you're explicitly told or shunned when you do. Um, so let's take a small step back. Uh, <laughs> we're living in what feels like post-apocalyptic times. So the world ends. The next group of people, they find this small plot of land. They're like, let's build a community. What do we need? First things first, let's build a hospital. We need to be able to take care of people. It's to heal people. Let's build a school. We need to be able to teach our kids. They need to be able to learn something. You know, let, Let's build a store so people can go and buy supplies. Let's build a church. Nope. <laughs> and the reason that you say nope is because without our cultural knowledge of what it is, it's all of those buildings has a purpose and the church should be, well, this is kind of people's way to connect and, and, and share in their faith and spirituality. Community. How has it become such a muddied mess? Of course, that's with many, many, many things in our society and in our history, but church has become, and not all churches, of course, but church in the grand scheme, and especially in American fanaticism, has become this toxic place that leaves people like us having to work through it for the rest of our lives. So let's talk about what church trauma might look like. You know, Shannon was saying, sometimes it's like a slow drip. I think in my case, it was very nuanced. And you didn't realize you were traumatized until uh, you started to really take a step back and question how you view everything. And because it's, it's almost like you live a dual reality well, like deep subconsciously, I feel like this is bad, but I'm still doing it, but I'm judging other people for doing it. And then the way you explained it to me was beautiful and heartbreaking at once, which was, well, that's called spiritual abuse. They, they kind of robbed you of your ability to have a spiritual relationship with whatever deity that you may believe in or whatever, you know, entity or, 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 you know, thing in existence. And it was like heartbreaking because it's like, yeah, they really fucked me up. I don't know if I'll ever have what I consider like a good relationship, or a spiritual connection. But I'm at least at a starting point where I know what I don't believe. Um, Megan, I, I of course, we have to go into your story. We touched on it a little bit uh, in the last episode because it was about body positivity and fat shaming. And weirdly, you have a church that starts as kind of like a, a, a fad diet thing, but also... Ties morality into it, which isn't crazy because that's how diet started with Kellogg and Graham and all of this. But it turned into this whole other cultish thing that goes way above and beyond it. And I mean, there's a whole series on this, so of course we can't go into all the details. But from a high level, from your point of view, what was your experience? What you know? Why are you here today? Essentially.
2: Well, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> sheer grit, determination, and will. <laughs> 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 Hell um, yes, yeah, because <laughs> um, it wasn't easy. But um, so for me, experiencing the Way Down workshop and Remnant Fellowship, which was the church born out of Way Down Gwen's brainchild, children, um, for me, it you know, it didn't seem like a cult. I, I in it, I didn't think anything. I it was like, some of this doesn't feel right. Um, the the level of control and, like, the infalitization, and I'm probably not even saying that right, but, like, I was basically, as, you know, a late teen, early to 20, you know, person being reverted back to where I had to ask my parents for everything and if, you know, then go to leadership and, you know, um, I was, I can't remember who I was talking to about, like, just the way I had to dress, like, you know, you can't dress a certain way or, like, these are not okay, you know, having hair and crazy, like you cannot draw attention to yourself. You'll cause your brother in Christ to stumble. Um, Things like, I mean, just to the extreme, but to me that was also normal because that's how I was raised and conditioned anyway. So a lot of the times I joke that I was made to be the perfect cult participant, (laughs) unwittingly. (laughs) Um, But the biggest thing for me was And what i couldn't understand because we never experienced this in other churches was that but i clung to it because i I think i kind of equated it to my mom's love and approval was that if you accepted the message that was that you're going to heaven you have to practice everything that gwen says and put that into work and you'll see the fruits of the spirit is they like to talk about a lot um, which you do if you apply a lot of the principles you do see that so it enforces what's being said um, but if you chose to leave the message, then you were turning your back on God. Um, that was it for you. God, your prayers are going to hit the ceiling. You're doomed to hell. And that's that's it. You know, and then coming back, you're like the prodigal son and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I did boomerang quite a bit. I, I left a lot from 2002 to 2006. 2006 is when I left for the final time. But it was a total fuck all the time. You know, my my worth was tied into how I looked. If I, they would consider me now uh, an incredibly sinful person and me even speaking out against Remnant is, you know, I'm viewed as public enemy number one. I'm Satan. Satan's working through me to tear down God's kingdom. And I say, super cool. I'm happy for that. <laughs> Honestly, it should happen. But <laughs> Come to the dark
1: side. It's a lot more yeah, fun here. It really is.
2: Um, but it just... It took years to kind of even, like, I was telling Shannon offline that um, for me even to equate like, I just thought it was a bad church for years. I'm like, this is just a really weird church and never did the word cult. Or, like, I would joke, like, um, oh, I I was part of a cult, like, and I didn't really, I knew what I was saying, but I didn't understand it. You know, um, we believe in, they believe in uh, Jesus hates fat people, so you got to get skinny for Jesus. And I'd be like, ha, 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 and, you know, walk away. And they'd be like, What? <laughs> So, um, but listening to other cult survivors from like Scientology and Hare Krishnas and Moonies, you know, um, from this uh, podcast called Generation Cult, uh, really made me go, oh my God, like, that happened to me. That's how remnant works. Like, oh my gosh. And then, you know, coming to terms and going, wow, okay, there's a lot to unpack here.
1: You don't realize, one, you don't realize you're in a cult until Mm -hmm. you're in way too deep. Right. And and you don't realize that you have things in common with people in cults until you really start hearing their stories. And that's what I'm hoping that some people can do today. Because, again, it's not saying there's anything wrong with church or there's anything wrong with having congregation of spirituality, but, (laughs) and Shannon would disagree,
0: which I fucking love that he does. Well, I want to say that because, you know, I I pastored a church for, you know, 35 plus years. And I got to tell you the truth, it feels very awkward for me to be in this space Because in some ways, um, you know, I want to say, oh, I was one of the good ones. Fuck that. Like the whole industry is messed up. Everything about it is messed up. And so I want to say on behalf of a capitalistic informed Christianity, I am sorry that experience. You're you are the first person one.
2: to say that from <laughs> from you know, your like position. So yeah, it's fucked think, up, I and mean, I'm so yeah, sorry that you experienced
0: it? it. Yeah, thank you. And so it's a weird thing for me because there's still this sort of like you know, oh, you're a pastor, and I'm like, nah. I, I do anything right. on earth to, to introduce guess, myself as anything other right. than. That.
2: I'm the same way. Like you know, people. I said, have like, to change
0: your name on oh, my phone. It's still I'm Pastor right. Shannon. <laughs> I got to stop.
2: You know, I totally get that on a different angle though, too. You know, because it almost you become pigeonholed you know right. well right. and when and, in, in court like uh, related to people you don't want to be related to
1: yeah. yeah and and the problem and and I love that you said that and I think most even modern even people who are pastors today say it would say the same thing who see the issue with it because it's like saying well cops are great you know it's like we're not saying all cops are evil no one's saying all pastors or all churches are evil but we're saying as a whole it's fucked up, and it needs to be broken before it can be built back up. Yeah, and so it's it's beautiful that you can say it, um, and I hope you don't regret it. <laughs> no, I, I want to be
2: clear; it's I am not personally attacking Christianity, and I don't know a lot of people. I will I gladly attack. I it. mean, you go for it. I mean, I it's I'm more of the organized like organized religion. Like I agree with you. Sure. Let's let's go fully anarchist, tear it down. But Christianity as a whole, like a. a if it works for you, great, but it ain't for me. And it's not going to be. And for it's not me
1: Christianity. It's what you're talking about is the organized American the, yeah, version of modern day Christianity. No, thank you. right. The and core of being Christ like is the polar opposite oh, yeah. of what I what is, think of when I hear right. Christianity. That's right.
3: Well, and Corporate America
0: has hijacked Christianity. Yes. yes. 100%. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, and I think like this past weekend, I was at Pride. Um, Akron's Pride is in August because they want other people to be able to go because everyone else's is in June. And I have to say I did see some organizations there supporting and being there not to protest but to be there in support of people who are LGBTQIA+. I think I got all the letters. But um, I think that, you know, it's not that all of it is bad. There are some places that are trying to make it different, that are trying to make it better, that are not trying to say you're all sinners and going to hell and this is terrible and you're going to be, you know, a terrible person because you're gay or because you had a baby out of wedlock. You know, I think that there are some, but I have to agree that there are more than, that's the few. There's more than, but the greater pole does need to be broken down because that's so much So let me push back a
0: little bit on that. So so we'll just say just for a second that like, oh, yeah, yeah, church is cool. Oh, the Bible's cool. Uh, Let's stay a minute. The theme of the Bible is uh, there is a hell. Sure. So, w- what are you going to do with that? How how do you create yeah. anything healthy right. out of hell,
4: yeah. fear and doom? I, right. Uh, like yeah.
0: so, like you know. Oh well, there's some good ones. I there's some good ones parlaying in the dark magic and and keeping it going. Mm. That's what I want to say to that. I, I yeah. equate that to to you know when when. Uh, Pride
4: Month comes around, and all these companies who make billions of dollars are suddenly sure. putting rainbows on everything, like yeah. they've been in the fight the entire time. So when they show up, and I, I'm sure you maybe know some people yeah. who are probably legitimate, I'm so jaded by sure. people like that that I, I, I have a hard time believing that they're really being forthright. Yeah. So Brian, let's let's
1: talk a little bit about your story. You and I grew up at the same church. Mm-hmm. Um, the church, from my viewpoint, was the the inmates were running the asylum uh, and the people who were you know so we were kids I, I my parents at least my parents let me stop going when I was able to drive it's like you can decide if you want to drive to church or not I was like I'm going to decide not to drive to church Lucky. I'm gonna work off my hangover um, but like the people that they would have in charge of us you know you didn't realize how fucked up it was until you became older than what they were then and you're like holy shit, the stuff that they taught us, the stuff that, I'm like, if I found somebody, if I had kids and I found somebody telling them the stuff that they did, I'd, I'd probably drag that person outside to the curb and beat the shit out of them. <laughs> so anyway, Brian, what was your experience? Uh,
4: I mean, I, I grew up a, a little bit different only because from the get-go, I mean, from a very young age, um, I mean, my mom and her family were Catholic growing up, but she found sort of the ev- evangelical church. No, that's the same story as me. Sure. Yeah. And Channa, sure. Yeah. Um, we, we went to is uh, that church the only one that you'd been to the entire time? Or did you go to different churches? I'm curious actually. My that.
1: parents were very, so we grew up Catholic and it wasn't crazy enough for my mom, so we started going to they started getting involved with these other cult light okay. ministries outside of it. Uh, uh, I, I mean, man, I could I could do a whole episode <laughs> on this one experience <laughs> that my dad took me to a men's retreat and I didn't know what I was experiencing. And then there was, a, there was an episode of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and it looked just like it, and it was a brainwashing session. And I was like, that's what that was, <laughs> I swear to God.
4: TMNT, man. So they had it nailed down. I guess it's not that different, I suppose. But I, I went to, to several churches in the area and, and, you know, ended up in something more evangelical. But it felt the same everywhere I went. So it was normalized from a very early age that this is just how things were. Yep. And this is how people were. And this is what life is like. So up into my teens, I didn't really question it. I mean, I had some some experiences where I like, oh, that, that didn't feel good what that person said or did. That didn't seem right like my sort of... Uh, uh, non non-Christian brain was starting to turn on. Um yeah. logic. Yeah. Well I mean you can call it more mor- real morality um yeah. or logic or whatever you want to label it as. But um I started to see some some inconsistencies at that point. You know, started to think for myself. And I found secular music so that helped. Um that's that was a big gateway into the world. Um but yeah it was uh what really struck me and this is probably jumping way ahead is uh is my uncle. So my uncle um uh, took his own life. Uh, my uncle was gay. Um, he was a wonderful guy, uh, an artist, uh, bohemian, very different from the rest of my family, and I loved him dearly. But the rest of my family always treated him with kid gloves, and I never understood that. So when he when he died, uh, I took it really hard, and I found out how he died. And then I just started racking my brain on why he would do that. Because um, he had such a big family. I come from a big family. He had. Six brothers and sisters. He had lots of nephews and nieces and um, all local to him. And we just, I never understood. But then as life progressed for me, I started to put those pieces together. And my family couldn't have been the worst place for him. I mean, just talk about acceptance at face value. And that's thats what they treated him with. And even to this day, uh, if I ever see them, which is few and far between uh, by my choice, um, it's uh it's a uh, a lot of i miss him and he was a great guy and i i wish he were still here and in my head i'm like you fucking killed him it's your fault yeah. you're the reason so it's it really started with that and then starting to question everything that was in my sort of pool um, so yeah that's that's how i became uh a survivor thank you for sharing that
1: that
4: yeah. Uh, yeah um Do you remember witnessing conversion therapy in church services? Man, I have some snapshots of all kinds of things before I got to experience them. Baptism was weird. I was in a big church when I saw that for the first time, and I was a kid, and the church I was at was basically a stadium uh and i saw it through the bigger the church the more god loves oh, that. Yeah. we know that that's oh, the rule yeah, right well, I, mean, I
3: think like watching the way down the higher to god watching the, the way hair. down <laughs> yeah the, yeah the higher the hair the closer yeah. to god that was for definitely sure. gwen shamblin was like really yeah. into that. clearly the way yeah. down but yeah it
4: was the way up it was on the way up hair. yeah
3: for sure yeah
4: but I got to see baptism through just one of those small, like, swing door windows yeah. with the, the plexiglass, and I just looked, and somebody was like being forced underwater, and looked very oh. uncomfortable. And I was like, "Is that going to happen to everybody? Am I going to have to go through that?" And then it was explained to me. I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm being purified." Yeah. So I'm. Didn't they explain to you that Christianity is suffering? Oh, yeah.
1: But making sure the people around you suffer even more. Oh, yeah.
3: So oh, misery loves company. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and conversion therapy isn't really. I wish that they would take therapy out of it because that's, I think when I heard conversion therapy, I was like, that's well, not therapy. So yeah. C-
1: Canada finally outlawed it, and I really Good. wish we'd do it in the States. Yes. Um, even if you're, I don't know, even if you, there's some part of you that's just like, I just don't agree with gay. Like, conversion therapy does so much fucking damage, uh, and so many people have committed suicide over it and, and the horrible things that happen. So I recently kind of sat down with my mom and told her, like, this fucked me up and uh she 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 owned some of it and apologized for some of it but she didn't really grasp any of it because she's still in it right and so i at least appreciated the acknowledgement of it of how i felt now she didn't experience the same thing but a big part of it is the the you were touching on the parental piece of organized religion you don't question God, you don't question the church, and you don't question your parents. And my family is split right now, and my, my own father won't uh, talk to me until I apologize because I dishonored my parents in, in a way that he thinks. And uh, I can't even be mad at him. I'm like, he's, he's still taking that very literally. As in honor is a one way, it's a one way to the top. The higher your hair the closer you are to god that you know it's like no honor and respect is a two-way street i don't care who you are i mean yes you you should revere the people who came before and you should love your parents but when you're an adult and they're adults it is a two-way street and that Christianity really takes that parental thing seriously and that's where the control starts. So you were it was normalized to us at an early age, it was normalized to you and that's how it's perpetrated over and over and over.
3: I mean, I see this all the time and it's kind of like how do you how do you love and you know, you can respect that your parents have this belief system, but at the same time, they're not being supportive of you and your beliefs. So it's like, how do you find that? And it's like, where do you get that middle ground? And it's somewhat impossible to do if that belief for the church is bigger than your belief in how your kids. How could you
1: love a religion more than your own kid? Right.
3: And that's what's well, scary. Should we get my mom on here? I yeah, just, <laughs> I, just, I,
4: just, I just glanced yeah. at my wife real quick because in a recent conversation, because I'm having to do a lot of this uh, – Uh, rehashing kind of what you did with your parents um, about boundaries and what's acceptable and what's sort of burned some bridges over the decades um, is because I have a kid and I don't want those things to be passed on to him through my parents so there's some very hard boundaries there that we've set but in a recent conversation even though my mom apologized and took some responsibility uh, quote-unquote she made it clear that her relationship with God was more important than her kids. And while it pained her to say that, uh, which she had to tell me it hurt her to say that, that that was true. And at that point, I I mean, it, I don't know how easy it is for normal people to write off their family, but, uh, you know, fuck you, mom.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with it because it's like, he's speaking what's in my brain yeah. at the moment. I. Flesh and blood is not more important than anything in the world. And no. it if it's nurtured, it should be. But I'm at where I'm at in, in my relationship with my family as a whole, my immediate family, because I'm not as important as, as certain beliefs, mm-hmm. be they political or, or Christian or otherwise.
2: I really appreciate your guys' take on that. I don't know if mine's the same and not like in a bad way. I just... Um, Oh gosh, um, I, I still speak to my mother and mom. That was a joke. I didn't, you know, I wasn't trying to be mean. I do really love you and respect you, and I know she's done a lot of really
1: good work on herself. Did she take you into the church, or did yes. you join outside of your mom?
2: No, she. It, 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 it mom. Sorry, it was because of her.
1: <laughs> did she
3: leave?
2: Uh, I mean, in two thousand ten, they all did. Yes, but. Okay. I had been out for
3: 4 years at that point. How did you leave? Sorry, I was just curious cuz usually you have that support to leave. Oh, yeah. You know, and you didn't have that support to leave. No. So how did you finally? I know you said you went back and forth, but I was really just sitting here so curious like so if you didn't have the support of that your family, so how hard did you yeah, leave cuz that's such to go. a big deal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well. Mad courageous.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It really is. It, oh gosh, it's a mess, but um I um <clears throat> Growing up, essentially I was not like the other kids. I challenged, but I also submitted. You know, I, I tried to be the the good child. I wanted I wanted my parents to love me.
0: Okay. Of course you did.
2: But I love me too. And um the what finally did it? Um, The last time I went back, I was um, in my third trimester with my oldest son. Um, My life was a mess because I didn't know how indoctrinated I was. And I was already just really fucked up because of what they did to me and what they let happen to me. And um, I forgive them both. I do. But I don't forget. And um, it taught me very valuable lessons. Um, It taught me to you know, I'm still working on it, but like really love me and take care of me, but know how to be a good parent to my kids.
1: But, um, well, I think one of the most important things both of you said so far today is that that generational trauma is stopping at your door. That is it.
2: I, I, it had to, I couldn't No more. It just had to. And, um, so, um, a lot of times when I would step out of line,
1: um, What do you mean when you say step out of line? Question something?
2: Or not do a chore.
1: (laughs) Oh, be a kid? Be an (laughs) asshole? (laughs) I I was,
2: yeah, you know, um, but this, I'm talking like 18 to 22. So, um, you know.
1: (laughs) So so you were still under kind of like a very stern rule.
2: 100%, yes. Anytime I asked to come back because I thought when I left that I was choosing – the world and, you know, Satan and I wanted to revel in the sin and, you know, I would come back and I'd be like, okay, I'm ready to do this, you know, and um, th- what drove me back the last time being pregnant was I was afraid I was going to die during um, childbirth, which I did almost die. And um, I was afraid for my son that I wanted to be a good mom for him. Um, Sorry. <laughs> So at the, at the end of it, finally in 2006, um, I'm getting in trouble for something I didn't do and I said I, I didn't take responsibility for it. I didn't let her be I, – I wasn't going to be her whipping boy anymore and I just said no, enough. I didn't do it and uh, then that started the whole how dare you talk to me like that in my own home and – which was uh, a T.M. H. Lee Baker saying uh, <laughs> quite often but um, – and so she said, go get your cell phone. And it was mine and my name. I paid for it. And I went to go get it because um, I'm like, well, I'm really in trouble now. Was it worth it? And then I said, no, I- I'm not going to do that. And then that's when the assault happened. And then um, afterwards, she held my son and said that um, I was an unfit mother because I wouldn't obey. And... um I thought I deserved it and uh, I called an acquaintance back in Ohio and was like, you're not going to believe what happened and, you know, she's like, that's wrong and I said, well, <laughs> I probably deserved it. I wasn't good. You know, I did disobey and somehow the cops were called and um, they asked me if I wanted to press charges and I, I was scared out of my mind. I said, no, I just, can I get out of here? <laughs>
1: right.
2: I I can't. I don't think I can be here. And I know mom was on the phone with one of the leaders, Ted anger, who was brought up in the docu series quite a bit. I'm sorry. And then, um,
1: okay. I'm going to challenge you one thing. To stop saying I'm sorry.
2: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna
1: yeah. I'm gonna poke you every time you apologize.
2: That's fair. Okay, that might actually work. It, yeah, yeah, or a shot collar, yeah. maybe. You know?
1: No, no, no that, I think that that's goes back of, to the that's other. More like, um, yeah, yeah,
2: that's more Th- that's, of that's, like, for, at, that's more your past, that's, my dear. That's, that's, that's more not of the current. remnant uh, way <laughs> yeah. of. Uh... Yeah, I know. Like I actually, I have a whole. It doesn't, but I'm training in my new job, and they're all so nice to me. And I'm like, can someone be mean? Like I don't. Yeah. I
1: cannot not relate to, to this yeah. at all. Like, yeah. what Wait. is this? I have to say this. Like, you you revalidated something in me that was controversial. I posted something on on social media in the midst of all this stuff going on with the family, and my phone's blowing up because they're like, "How that was wrong? Why would you do that? That's dramatic." But the response I was getting on the other side of it, where people are like, "Thank you so much for saying this." And I'm going to reiterate it to you, not that it means anything coming from me, but it's okay to have a complicated relationship with your parents. There's this idea that, like, I love my parents, and if I start, like, poking holes in it, then that's wrong, and it's going to fall apart. It's okay to love them, but also see the horrible, wrong, bad training in them. Oh, yeah. And in some ways, they've been indoctrinated, too. It's not fully their fault. Right. But... They did help traumatize us. It's okay to, to love them and hate them sometimes. It's,
2: it's a delicate balance, 100%. Yeah. Because while I feel that I've teetered back and forth in my relationship with my biological dad and my mom, my step-parents, I can't deal with it all. Um, I always thought I had a better relationship with my dad. I always thought my dad heard me and understood me and respected me. But... And my mom was the opposite. And then it flipped just recently, as a matter of fact, right when I said yes and was making plans to go film The Way Down in March of 2021. And then all of a sudden, my dad just stopped talking to me.
1: Is he still part of the church?
2: No, he was never in. Sorry, my biological dad was never in. Oh. My my biological mother and my stepdad were. He was never in. He was on the outside looking in. And actually, when I did end up coming back to Ohio, I did go to him and cuz i didn't have anywhere to go i didn't have a home i had nothing i just had my car my stuff stuffed in a car and my son and i was like well that's it i'm going to hell you know and what am i going to do and he was like you get the fuck out of here and you know don't come around near my family and i'm like i i don't blame him for being mad because i took off without really telling anybody like it is my prerogative i know but um, i just kind of like aced out every time I went back to remnant and the vice versa, like my mom never knew where I ended up going sometimes. So I guess I don't know why I really haven't like looked into that, like why that would be weird. But
0: I just want to, I just want to say a, a, a couple things to your story. Um, one is uh, trauma and abuse. It is uniquely sinister when it's in the helping profession of a church. Right. Yeah. But it's it's not necessarily born there. It just finds itself there. And your your process of saying, "Oh my God, um, I'm going to have to figure out a way to love myself," is the typical maturation process for everybody. We come to a place where we just say, "Like, fuck me, man! I wanted mom and dad to love me and just be like perfect, and they fucking cannot." And so your context was the church, and that's like that's awful because it has this halo effect. And at the same time, it you learn to do what every adult must learn to do. How do I, how do I nurture myself in this weird space of existential angst? So I, I think there's something about all of this where we, we ask ourselves the question, why why were all of us so primed? Like, it, it's easy to like, you know, oh, blame this and blame that. But I, I will tell you, it seems to be the human condition to be wound up over existential angst. Like, we don't know how the fuck we got here. And we don't know what's going to happen on the other side. That creates a deep desire for certainty. And that desire for certainty is the fucking death knell. And and when we and, and so we become addicted to it. So like what you're doing is leaning into this uncertainty like that's magic. Like that's magic. And you and you and whether or not your story in the church or not. My point is that uh, you're doing the work. Like, you're doing the work, being a full person.
2: Yeah, all me. By the way, mom and dad. (laughs) Yeah, right? Yeah. No thanks to y'all. Love you both, still. But no, I don't know why my dad doesn't talk to me.
1: There's nothing more spiritual and pure than good music. Our musician spotlight this week is on Ben Becker, a singer songwriter from Southeast Missouri. He moved to Nashville in 2017 and dove directly into the local music scene. Ben has become the utility player in the scene, writing lyrics and melodies, producing records, and singing demo and background vocals for himself and artists all around the world. You can find all of his socials on Linktree at Ben Becker Music. You knew
2: perfectly well what you were doing. And you do it again I I'd be feeling ruined You took me in, you kicked me out Called me back, said you don't need me now That's how it is
1: of the ways that church trauma is uh, becomes this uh, residual thing that carries on and on and on is this idea of separation of spiritual and secular this idea that there's two worlds that there's this invisible war and that i don't care if you think there's good or evil i mean that that's fine i it doesn't affect me the problem is they really try to make is once you're out like we can't save you yeah not only that we're not going to love you yes and that is one of the main things that identifies a cult is yes. when excommunication happens and when you're treated as less than and that's why i say cult like because my family would still treat outsiders differently than the insiders like these people get it yeah. they're on that same saved wagon going to heaven
4: that's that's kind of a uh a, a A different take for myself anyway and how i saw it and some of my friends who were in the church at the same time because i'm very much and always have been an acts of service kind of person it's how i feel uh for others it's how i have them feel for me and so my parents made me feel like if i didn't do the work on myself and be closer to god i could never save somebody else and so my my striving point was to be a better person in jesus to help other people and that's the only way it could happen so instead of being sort right. of, I'm going to go to hell or I'm not good enough for myself, it was like, I need to be good enough for other people.
0: Myself wasn't even a part of it.
1: Yeah, my parents gave up on that with me
4: <laughs>
0: early, early on. But I'm interested because you don't seem to be afflicted the same way we are. Me? Yeah.
3: Um. So I have a different story. You know, I didn't, I had more um church, like, I guess, like religious confusion, then religious trauma. My dad um, is Jewish. My mom is Christian. Um, typically, you go by the mother, but my mom was not really um, a fan of church ever growing up. So we were raised Jewish. So I um, was raised Reform Jewish and um, this is another ep- time for another episode, but then my dad ended up converting to Christianity <laughs> later on. So is he a
1: Messianic Jew or a, full-blown no, Christian? full-blown
3: Christian. Like, he went to the Episcopal Church. He found out he was adopted late in life and that his birth parents were Christian, so he wanted to go into and learn about his, you know, original family. Um, so I'm not a religious person, so to speak. I believe, I know a lot of people who are religious people that are great people, um, but I also, as a therapist, hear awful stories about religious trauma, and I really just know what that you know can do to a person and what that can do to crush someone's soul. And you also see a lot of the people, I mean, who've been – who've gone through this trauma and where they end up away from the church, which was the total opposite idea that everyone wanted to get to. So it's like, what was the point of this? You know, you're pushing people away – and that's not what they were intending to do
0: so as a therapist what do you imagine is the pre-existing human condition that primes us for cultic behavior
3: well i think that it's we look for community you know we just we look for community and that's really where i see people going and i think that as someone who knows what that's like to not really know where your community is religiously. <laughs> you know, it's like I know that I could go either way if I wanted to. Um that's I still have more spiritual work to do on my own that I haven't touched yet. So you know, we'll go there another day. Um, but I think that... We're going to baptize Mandy next episode exactly live on ready. YouTube. <laughs> Matt's going to have a dunk tank now.
1: <laughs> He's but, Brian's going to hold you underwater oh until Don't you until you stop moving. <laughs> Brian, yeah. y- you have to mention this because you brought it up earlier. We were talking about spiritual versus secular. How old were you when you realized that there was music that was made that wasn't made to worship Jesus?
4: Oh, my God. Um so I was driving back with my family from a conference in Toronto, which is another hotbed for Jesus activity. And uh, I think I listened to, there was another kid there who had a CD player, yes, and that old uh, Discman at the time. And he had uh, Bush's 16 Stone. Oh, yeah. And Glycerine Changed My Life. Um, oh, that's a great one. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, to this day, like music moves me uh, daily. Um, and back then, hearing something that could be so impactful just by the sound of it—not even understanding the words or the concepts—but yeah. just the sound of it could impact me so much. It was uh, striking. So the whole seven, some odd hours drive back, I just think of nothing but why did that sound so good when it's not God's
0: music? And it's like, so, dude, that is such a beautiful thing because, like, my notion of spirituality it didn't come from the scriptures it didn't come from church it came from bob dylan like like i learned about everything from the stories from the music from uh, those the poetry that was that scene right and so what poetry what music does is what the scriptures have the potential to do, unless you're looking at them like a small engine repair kit, then it's fucked up. But if you but if you can look at it like, oh, this is poetry, oh, this is somebody who's like, you know, how did how did we end up with Jesus? Well, because humanity stopped being assholes and primitive and they matured, right? So it's a reflection of how humans think about God. But there's so much loveliness in poetry, it's far more inclined to be poetic or or this this way, how how do we address the the experiential uh, um, experiences? Sorry, um, when when we're trying to say, well, like, well, how do we put words around this? Well, only poetry and music works sometimes. Mm-hmm. As a kid, that's why it's so hard because what they teach you are are
4: stories. They're not they're not scriptures. They're stories, and they're taught in such a way that it makes it appetizing. I mean, now they make movies about it, but it's it's. Good feed for a kid, like it's it's start, it stokes their imagination. You know, think I mean? about
3: Noah's Ark and all yeah, coming I mean, two by two, and, and, just, and it's all like magical yeah, and
4: yeah. That that could be something that God. Until did. you
1: really start to listen to what the story is about. Sure. Oh, dude, this is such a. I'm sorry, this will be the last so, one. We so that's going to be a future episode on uh, the issues with translating the Bible as a literal thing. It, again, it's. I yeah. think you even said it last season. It's, it's like trying to listen to a Bob Dylan song, and and translate it literally.
4: Yeah.
1: Poetry is not meant to be translated that way. And so there's people who are still in my circle who will like, when they they think I need to hear something, they'll send me a piece of scripture. And I, Shannon, you've been a big part in how I relay my uh, view on things without being offensive. Uh, Before Shannon, I was just a hot mess. But I try to say, like, listen, don't you blame me for who
0: you are. (laughs) Fuck that. That is not right.
1: (laughs) So, for example, I asked Shannon, I asked Shannon, and I go, I get really uncomfortable to the point of angry when people ask me if I'm saved. And I go, How should I respond to something like that? And he's like, I would simply tell the person, that's not, those aren't the words I would use. I understand what you're saying. That's, that's just not those aren't the words i'd use and i i do that to this day because there are people who are like well you've accepted jesus you're saved right and i'm like um i know what you're getting at i i, I have my own spirituality not that it's anyone's fucking business mm-hmm. yeah. like that's like saying like how's your relationship with your mom because yes, right. your mom and i get along really well <laughs> cool <laughs> I don't, why, 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 why do you care yeah but so like people send me scripture and i try to say like that might mean something different to you than it does to me. I'd rather give you a Mark Twain quote. You're going to learn a lot more from that. And, and so people like will send me something, and I'm like, do you even understand what this is saying? Again, it's, like tr- it's trying to take this very poetic, flowerly language and say, this is exactly what it means. Don't you feel better now? No, because that,
0: the Bible was my source of trauma. No, that doesn't help me. Isn't that the truth, though? So like how do how is it that um like we try to redeem something that has been used to abuse us? It is just far better to just say, you know something man, what makes something sacred? Well, what makes it sacred is I assign it meaning. It becomes sacred because, oh my God, that was healing, that was beautiful. And if the text doesn't, it doesn't and and the freedom to be able to, to by
1: the to way, do that, to say that out loud, uh-huh. In circles that we grew up in, and I'm sure that
0: she grew yeah. up in, would be like, <laughs> Bless let's me. go drown this witch. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I feel you. I, I, I feel you. That's why it's hard for me to pastor in the community. Like <laughs> sure. I'll just say that straight up. Like, I, I wasn't good at it. I was never brand strong. The, you know? But the text means something to you. Of course it does. But I've never been under the... No. I, I'm no longer under the illusion that somehow it was handed down from God, and it is something that I can follow with with very explicit and clear intent. All you gotta do is read that thing, and it's just like, what the fuck could this mean? Yeah. So so the way to engage it is with this, is a sort of poetic open-heartedness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Peter Gomes, uh, I love this cat, he was, uh, he was a chaplain at Harvard, I think Harvard, uh, forever and ever and ever, and uh, taught theology, black dude, gay. And uh I just I love him. And his quote is that uh some people use the Bible the way a drunk uses the lamppost <laughs> for support rather than illumination. <laughs> right? And that's I mean brilliant. it's just like, oh God bless you, Doc, right? Yeah. Um so there's this like the Bible can be helpful and it can be the most abusive thing on earth. It can yeah. be it used to be the, the most abusive Yes. Yeah. That's and right. No, no, yeah. no! Absolutely. The
2: thing that makes me the angriest is that I, I I've read the Bible. I, I understand. I mean, I interpret it with what makes sense to me. But the cherry picking and everyone's like, oh, yes. scripture, this, scripture that's that and You cherry, can cherry pick any scripture and make it fit your narrative, you and go. boom, there you go. I mean, yeah. that's that's Gwen Chamberlain's mo:
3: cherry picking scripture and well, watching it. That documentary yeah. was so interesting because nothing applied to her. Well no. <laughs> and it was like it? At, it was like do, oh, well, you can't else, yes. get divorced. You're gonna get you know, you're gonna go right to hell or whatever. And then she went and got divorced. Like it was just yeah. a very interesting The whole thing, thing to, was to watch. Gwen wants Gwen gets because
2: Gwen is God.
4: Yeah. Was in her mind.
2: Well, it was, yes, yes, yes. Was. thank you. Even
4: when people don't purport to be, you know, the deity in you know, what you're what you're under, uh I remember uh, back at our church, um, the whole week was gonna be spent on Uh, topics of health and it was abortion that was the first day that they spoke about. And the first day the pastor's wife came up and said I had an abortion and here's why you shouldn't get one. And it was just this explanation of how it hurt them so badly and they regret it so much. And you know what?
1: That's that's heartbreaking and and good for them. Sure, sure. But to use that? To use that that to try to to tell other people, I
4: didn't like this
1: so you won't like this either. Right.
3: And I think that also, just kind of putting it out there too that you know I did this and I sinned and I whatever. She's trying, like they're trying to make it sound like, look at me, I'm you know coming. It's yes. just in that such a manipulative way. Look at
1: me showing my
0: vulnerability. Yes, don't but make the mistake. I'm also any.
3: telling you, don't do this. Yeah. And it's like that's someone's choice. So There's Shannon, a judgment
0: in the don't. narrative.
3: Yes, exactly.
1: Shannon, you you had asked Mandy about this, about how we're drawn to this kind of thing, mm-hmm. and I think part of it is the. Of, I think the initial draw is community, but there is also the idea of it's like, hey, by the way, uh, do you own this brand of dryer? What well, can start a fire in your house? And you're like, fuck, hell. Yeah. You, you said it near the beginning. The idea of hell and I'll go to hell and there's a lot of people It's like, well shit, even if I don't fully buy into it, if I at least jump through these hoops, at least I know if there's even a 1% chance, I'm not going there, I'm gonna do this. You did a very interesting sermon, and it was the only time I'd ever been like, "Okay, I I can get on board with that." Was you broke down sin, because sin is talked about, and it, I feel like it's it's impossible in modern day Christianity why it's flawed from the get go to not buy into sin. Maybe you don't fully buy into hell or whatever, but everyone buys into sin, and. I just have this hard—I always had this hard time with it. I I think the reason we're sitting here is the way that we're wired, the three of us especially, is we're curious, where we question things. And that is not a good sign of belonging to, you know, to his holy church. But— You'd start to question, like, what? Wait, wait. So, so, so this dude, it's like up in heaven, has full control. It's like I'm gonna put these people down there, and all the shit that's fun and cool, I'm not gonna let them do it. And I say, if you do, and I'm gonna, you know, I, I said to her before, and she hadn't heard the, the thing. I was like, it's like Santa Claus, and not a list. Like you do just <laughs> enough good to, outweigh it. Like he's like he's trying to catch you on these technicalities. Yeah. Do you remember the sermon of how you define sin? Um, no. Um, because <laughs> uh, he has sinned uh, so much uh, since uh, then, uh, the brain cells
0: are gone.
2: Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm intrigued, yeah. So
0: actually. I, I would, so the concept of sin, and I, and I think this is why the, the Bible has this weird sort of staying power, because there's just enough things that resonate that make people go like, eh, that's kind of true. Like there's, a, there's just enough there, uh, um, and, and uh, habits are the hardest to break, are the ones that are randomly reinforced. So we'll just we'll keep that in mind. But sin as the notion of being separated. I'm, I'm separated from you. I'm separated from myself. I'm separated from uh, from whatever I might imagine God is. And, and and let's just let's not just forget for a moment that the notion and idea of God has a history. Read Karen Armstrong, The History of God. It's not as if. Like, you know, mankind said, oh, there's a God. It, 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 it's all an evolutionary phenomenon whereby we say, what the fuck does it mean to exist? We can think about what we're thinking about. What are we going to do? Let's hedge our bet and create uh, something, right? So I I just want to kind of talk about it that way. but But then we are separated from it. And the longing... To be one again and everything about it original sin uh the the you, you guys you've had babies right mm-hmm. like you're one with this baby then this baby is born and now you're separate and that that baby at some point in its development says oh my god i'm not mom i am somebody else and then we are primed even even with all of the psychological stuff that goes on in a child development what happens with the baby? They go around the corner. Mom goes around the corner. Baby's freaking out. It's when they, when mom comes back around, baby goes, oh, there you are. There you are again. And that sense of safety. So we're primed to imagine that when you die or I die, there's still somebody around the corner, right? Yeah. It is just the way we are oriented. And I, I'm not saying that there's not benefit to this stuff. I'm just simply saying, let's hold this loosely. Let's just well, hold it but, loosely. But-, but the way Did I get it? Yeah,
1: you absolutely, <laughs> you nailed it. And and to kind of like finish that off is, uh, it, it's hard. It's hard to toe that line where you're like, I still buy into the idea of Christ, whether Christ was an actual person or, you know, whatever. Oh, yes, you can burn me at the stake too, you fucking people. But, you know, whether Christ existed, I buy into the core of what Christ stands for. But it's hard to go... Again, to not be that cherry picker yourself and being like, but it's really tough to get around the sin thing. The sin thing as you described it and as you were kind of saying is the separation of basically saying like, this isn't saying it's a sin against God. It's you're hurting yourself when you do this.
0: Like it do, it feels- Or it just feels- It, it, it feels It bad. hurts to be separate, but, but watch what happened. Listen to what all you guys did. It's fucking magic. What you did is what all of us must do. You must look at your parents and say- guess what? I disagree. That's autonomy. You must look at the scriptures and say, oh, the scriptures teach that? Well, then they're fucking wrong. Yeah. Like, like, it's autonomy. Yeah. Like, you, you follow what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Then you can re-engage them in a fashion that says, oh, looky here. There's some merit here. There's some poetry. There's some beauty here. But until we become autonomous, that's the, that's the painful expression of what it means to be human. And then finding connection and community in spite of that, right?
3: Yeah. And I think, too, I would read this um, quote the other day about, you know, and this kind of goes into parenting in general, but, you know, your your children are not just a reflection of you. They are their own people. And I think a lot of parents forget yes. that, you know, my kid doesn't necessarily have to be a clone of me. They can be their own person. And my job is to develop to develop them to be their own person. But also, you know, don't be a dick. Don't be an asshole, right? right? You know, be kind to other people. Be, you know, be a good person. But Matthew 3.16, I think. Yeah, right?
1: (laughs) Don't be an asshole. Yeah,
3: just don't be a dick.
1: I'm starting to finally read John Pavlovitz, If God is love, don't be a jerk. Yeah. It's pretty fucking simple.
3: Yeah, yeah. And that's just what it kind of comes down to is like, accept your kids for who they are. Let them be who they are. And I think, you know, that's more of a parenting issue than anything. But at the end of the day, it kind of relates to... You know, your kids don't have to follow in the same footsteps when it comes to religion or, you know, how they raise their children or whatever other issues that might come up with their interests, their hobbies, just all of these different pieces.
1: Again, we we only have time to touch on a couple more small uh, pieces of this today because there's so many things that are tied into church trauma, uh, purity culture, and especially purity culture runs the gamut and it's different for women than it is for men even. And it is something that as a 40-year-old man, I'm still unpacking. Like there are still things that are so deep down inside of me that I'm like, why do I actually think this? Not consciously, subconsciously. Um, Things like teaching doom, uh, end of the world teachings, revelation, something that we suffered through a lot. Mm. That's its own story to unpack. Um, I think Two things that I want to touch on real briefly uh, before we run out of time here this evening. The stigma of mental health and tying health to morality. Essentially being punished by God when you ail and seeking mental health, real mental health. Like the professionals on the end of the table, not the hacks who say, well, I'm I'm a Jesus counselor um
3: or conversion therapy yeah. it's more like
1: i need a real counselor <laughs> or Jesus. just
2: focus on god more and you won't be so depressed that's you're right. just too right. selfish yes. yeah yeah that and oh,
1: that
3: makes me sick hearing that yeah that
1: and the last the very last one i'll touch on after that is um is, this ridiculous mythology that still exists while they laugh at oh, that's not real and that's not real and how could anyone believe this but by the way witches are real and they're putting spells on children that it, the mysticism that still exists in the church, the I'm talking like colonial times Salem witch trial shit that still is very much alive in the church, um, which I think births some of the QAnon kind of stuff and and the idea of this like you know these these pedophile rings that are being run. That is that shit is all based on church drama. That shit is all rooted in the in the church. But real briefly, from the healthcare professional side. And, and Megan probably has I mean the most heartbreaking part of this is like morality is tied to your health so if you're not losing weight it's because you don't love God enough how much that hurts your profession and how many people you've you've talked to who finally realize they need to talk to somebody who's an actual therapist Megan um what is it like to be told that basically if you're unhealthy if you feel unfit if you feel mentally unwell that, You're just not trying hard enough. You just don't love God enough.
2: It's shitty. It shouldn't be said because I was trying. They just kept moving the goalposts. And I could never, ever live up to the expectations they had for me. I didn't even know what the expectations were. You know, no matter what I did, I was bad. So what's the point? You know, I mean, I did try my best. But um, being told all your life, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad, I I I just I life was hard. It was really hard and it really it fucked with me bad and you know even to come to the terms where I'm like I really need to get this under control. It was affecting my blood pressure, my way I interacted with the world. I
1: couldn't um their treatment of you actually negatively impacted oh, your health as opposed to the other way around.
2: Yeah, absolutely 100%. That's I'm not fully blamed, but this that's why I'm this size. That's why um, I <laughs> I'm i on several different medications because I've always needed to be on them, but I was told that um, I'm just too selfish. Um, it's all about me. And, you know, if I just served more, stopped being so selfish or whatever it is they wanted me to do, I wouldn't feel that way. But I, I didn't know peace until... I got I had my first anti anxiety pill. <laughs> I really did. not I had no hey, idea. I didn't. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> I knew. <mean>,
1: um,
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Praise the Lord. Praise <laughs> the Lord, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then to um and Dude, I Johnson and Johnson. I, I kind of <laughs> right um, thank God for Lexapro and Trentalix. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> Speak my language, yeah. sister. I told you we are kindred <laughs> I spirits. I
2: really, I love it so much. And Adderall too, by the you way. You know, if somebody was smart, I'm not they lazy should. Lazy and stupid. You know, shocker. <laughs> they should.
1: One of, the, one of the prescription companies should call one of the pills Jesus. So if someone's like, yeah. "You need to get some Jesus," and you're like, like <laughs> you "Shit, go. I'm
2: trying." So <laughs> earlier, <laughs> so beautiful. No, I totally agree. Earlier it's this so year, beautiful. I actually, I didn't start reclaiming my life like really unpacking everything and facing it all till I was 35 I'm 38 now and um I um thank you (laughs) on my birthday I was gonna go home this year and kill myself I just um was tired um tired of having to constantly overcome and prove that I was worth anything and a lot of it's probably me and, and you know how I've interpreted how I've been treated over the years but um a lot of it was what people and that church inflicted on me and it, it just was too much I obviously I'm here um and i'm happy that i'm here but i'm also really grateful for my nurse practitioner <laughs> she said you're going on lamictal and i said okay and i and i and i got to tell you that was even that was just as life changing as um the lexapro and and the counseling and everything and putting that work into me and really investing in myself um because the cra- like the craziness just not fully stopped but i I don't know how to explain it. I I just know that for the first time in my whole life, my 38 years, I feel like me.
3: Ah, yes. You could breathe again.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, even, even not being in my old job, like, I feel like I've finally stepped out of survival mode. I've been in survival mode my whole life. And to be able to sit back and just go, oh, this is so good, is, I was you offline that I'm like wait for the other shoe to drop <laughs> which I shouldn't. That's so terrible,
3: but that's actually really normal though. Oh okay. You good. know, that's, that's actually great. so normal uh, <laughs> that I think when you're so used to gloom and doom happening consistently, yeah. how could you not expect that to happen? You know
1: Cautiously I mean, optimistic yeah. is Yeah. I, I, I mean I think yeah, that's that's a victory right yeah. there. Yeah.
3: I'm you know and I'm grateful that you're sharing your story because I think well all of you sharing your stories because I think, you know, this episode could really help so many people who might be struggling and feeling like, oh, well, I don't love God enough, and so I shouldn't go on mental health medication, or I shouldn't go see a counselor. And, and God our, still loves you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: there, there's, there's a stigma in the church, but even in our culture, against, oh, people are overly medicated. When you go through trauma, and these guys can speak more to it, I mean, there's a physiological change in your body. You have a chemical imbalance. So it's not like I won't get my oil changed because Jesus took the wheel. No, the car's going to stall.
3: That's a really great. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's (laughs) That's excellent. Every once
1: in a while, Matt has a good one. (laughs) Yeah, I prayed really hard about this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Shannon. See, laughter. Oh, Oh, Megan. Yeah. Thank you so much. You got to laugh.
2: It keeps you from yeah, crying sometimes. <laughs> life is awesome. life is
1: a life tragedy, is, but there's some comedy in it.
2: Well, good, it's hand in hand, right?
1: <laughs> Shannon, um, you, I mean, you've talked to people when you were part of the church. Now you're seeing people in the darkest time of their life, potentially. Um, the idea of this mental health thing being tied to you know health and morality being tied together, and uh, you had to, you have to to this day see some shit.
0: Yeah, there is. Um, it, death is a phenomenon that all of us experience, right? And and the information that we have gathered in life, the stories we have believed, the stories we've tried to live from and by, inform how we're going to die. It's just that's just how it happens. I don't know. I don't know how to escape the story we're allowing ourselves to tell ourselves about. Like I just don't know how to do that right now. Right. Um, and so depending on how severe the story is, how transactional the story is, is how the death goes. So if someone is uh, has lived their lives in such a severe transactional way, a way that says, uh, if I do this, God will do that. If I do this, God will do that. I, I live from this notion that there's beauty everywhere. There's just some loveliness everywhere. And that's what keeps me going back to the dark places, dark places, right? Um, When my grandchildren died, my, uh, what I experienced was people saying, we can handle one of them, right? We can sort of process that. But two of them, the fuck is wrong with you and your family? So there's this like, there's this double isolation. So from that that time, those experiences, I said, I'm going to walk towards the sufferer because I think there's some magic there. That they can that they can bring to the light we don't. And there is the beauty in that fucking dark place. It's always there. We just gotta tune our eyes to see it. So so I am I am always hopeful. I don't care how screwed up life is, I'm always hopeful light and love is gonna prevail. I just am. I'm ridiculously optimistic. One of my buddies is a hardcore atheist psychologists, I meet with them every week. I have a practice of meeting with people that are exactly opposite me of me because they inform me. And he said, all right, you know, motherfucker, you tell me then why you still believe this shit. And I said, well, it ain't because of the outcomes. (laughs) 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 It's because somehow there's some beauty in it. I do it for the aesthetics. That's why Jesus has something. It's kind of lovely to say, you without sin, cast for song. It's kind of lovely to to do that, and so that it kind of keeps me coming back. But not in any kind of traditional sense. I promise you that.
1: I, I we've probably all been that person crying like God, why me? Why would you do this? And yet, I, I think you're almost <laughs> you're almost hoping somebody else is going to come and be like, Yeah, I got your back. What's up, God? Like like somehow, if enough people advocate for me. And that's why I think when people are like, "I'm going to pray for you," thank you. Do I actually think it's going to change anything? It's not for the outcome. Yeah. It's for the support. Yes. It's for the caring. So I I don't mind when people have, you know, thoughts and prayers and shit like that, but you know, don't pretend to care and then you know go behind my back and talk about me because I'm not I'm not one of the the good ones. Um. And that was just my last point. Is is some of the ways? There's some outlandish ways that the uh, the church trauma is reinforced by attacking everything that isn't that church remnant was built upon the idea that we are the one and only light the way to heaven the way down to heaven uh our church was very much the same thing we are in the chosen few yeah. most cultish things like jehovah's witnesses and stuff is like you know there's only a hundred thousand some spots in heaven and they also tear down the churches that even if they're similar, not similar enough, and and, and a really quick uh, anecdote I wanted to share. So we're at a we're at a, a cookout, and Lindsay's there, and my parents' friends are there, and they might even be people that you you remember. I I, I won't say their names. I I don't even know their names to be honest. It's crazy and crazy pants, and so they were talking about going to Hawaii and how great it was, and we had gone to Hawaii, and it was funny because Lindsay, who's just like nice and naive. They were having two different conversations and didn't realize it. They thought the other person was agreeing, and they were saying the opposite. And they were essentially saying, we went on this tour, and they showed us, like, oh, here's the cave where the people would live, and they used to worship, like, the lava god. And Lindsay's like, oh, isn't it so cool? Yeah, I mean, they had a very different culture, and they were tearing it apart. It's like, that'd be like me going into the church and being like, Wait, hold on a second. So God knocked up a virgin, and then she had a baby, and then that dude let God kill him, and then he came back, and now we hunt for Easter eggs. Like, come on, that's pretty fucking far-fetched, right? And You and just that's... gave the salvation story, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how they were and... looking. They were... And it's like all of these religions were birthed from the same thing, trying to paint an understanding of our own existence and to shit on other people's look. If you want to believe in some crazy stuff, that's fine. When you boil down every religion to its origin story, it's a little nutty. The Adam and Eve story is is in many, many different faiths, and there's little differences, but it's flawed because it's one man and a woman who have a couple of kids and then suddenly the earth populates. Like it, it it's 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 amazing that all of us didn't come out with four arms grown out of our heads. It was I incest hate. from the get go. <laughs> So so think about this. And, and for our viewers and our listeners, think about this. Think about how when somebody starts explaining something about a religion, even if you weren't that involved in the church in a, as a society, we are very judgy about what other people believe. And so do we approach that? with judgment and criticism, or do we approach it with curiosity? I love to learn about other religions. I see the flaws in them, but I respect them because it's like, I get it. I was raised in something I would have never questioned, whether or not Jesus was an actual person, until I became a full-blown, logical human adult. So we all have that prejudice, and I do too. We all do it, but I think it's about becoming aware of that, because church trauma has not only affected so many of us, But it's affected the people who aren't even necessarily in the church because while the separation of church and state was a great proposal, uh, it has never really happened. Truth. And when legislation happens, and we'll certainly unpack more of that in the Roe v. Wade episode, uh, things are dressed up as science and math and education when it's really just fanaticism of bad Bad American Christianity um, before I say goodbye does anyone have anything they would like to share that you feel like we didn't get through
0: just simply this that um, all of you God thank you because your courage is what brings about healing like we don't know until we know and so you having the moxie to tell your story and to share your experience is actually what carries humanity forward. Uh, until we are able to hear your stories, when you're muted, all of humanity is muted. So goodness, thank you. I you, I, I am so grateful to be part of you sharing things. That's, I just want to say that.
3: No, I can echo that, and I also just want people to know that if there is, if they are going through something where they're recognizing that you know their stories match some of the stories that were told today, like please know that there is other community there to help you. There are mental health therapists there to help you. There are other people who want to be there to hear your story and to support you as you, you know, heal yourself. So I think that's just one of the biggest, I I hope that's the biggest takeaway today is that you don't have to be alone Mm -hmm. in in it. And that's, I think that's what I really want people to know. Brian,
1: what is it that you think that a piece of advice you can share with people out there Ooh,
4: um, listen to good music.
3: <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Truth, yeah.
1: Just I listen, have... listen
4: to lots of music.
3: Yeah.
1: So one of the residual things that comes with church trauma is every day almost debilitating guilt and shame. And I have it now by bringing these awesome guests on and feeling like, we didn't get to talk about enough so please know that you are all invited on (laughs) for Church trauma parts two through 17 (laughs) um because i'm dead serious we're there's so many aspects to talk about but i this is the topic that i'm the most passionate about so this is uh very much like you guys coming in and seeing me in my underwear this is very intimate (laughs) for me and i I couldn't have asked for a better group to to see me buck naked. Um, Megan, thank you so much. Can you please plug, again, your um, – I mean, everything that you're doing is what I want this episode to do, which is to help other people not feel bad, n- feel okay to question, and use your freaking brain. If you believe in God, he gave you a brain, brother.
2: Use it. You have to. Um, I – So as I I believe I said in the top of the episode, but I um, created the Beyond Zion Foundation. Um, The website is www.beyondzion.org. Thank you. Um, I didn't realize until afterwards it was kind of a play on my oldest son's name. Um, I named him Ben Zion. Um, But the whole premise was, you know, any cult-like remnant, the church that you, the cultish church you guys belong to, like they're like, we're the chosen ones, you know, that we're the ones getting to heaven and screw you all. You're not doing it right. They usually call themselves Zion. They're they say they're heaven yes. on earth. Wow. So yes. coming out of that, you're beyond it. And and you can be beyond it at any age, at any. But also, too, you have to put in the work and it's ugly and it's rough. You know, I'm nowhere near done and that's OK. And I revel in it. And I hope that you hear what we say and you start. It's never too late.
1: Truth. And
2: you're loved. I'm here for you.
1: (laughs) And Megan is awesome, as you can tell. Thanks. And uh, I'll say it's tough to sit there and talk about my story and feel like I can hold a candle to hers. But I think that's kind of the nuance of church drama is, well, I wasn't molested. Well, I wasn't abused physically. Well, I wasn't this. We all have trauma. We all go through the, I mean, life on earth is traumatic from birth to death. Amen. So, so it isn't to say to start questioning your own faith. It's to say, look at the people who are feeding you the information that you are basing that on, uh, be a kind person and make sure that other people are kind to you. That's, that's the takeaway. It's not to make you feel bad if you do believe in, in the Holy Trinity and the Bible uh, was handed down by God. That's great. God bless you. But think about the impact that you're leaving on this earth. And, and if you're creating uh, another hole in that traumatic experience that happens generation after generation after generation, let the generational trauma stop with you. That's what these people are trying to do, and it's not easy. But, my God, I I, I think your kids are going to thank you for it. So if there is a God, I think he exists because he put together this panel, and this was pretty fucking awesome. So thank you so much for being here, everybody. Thank you for our listeners and our viewers. And God says if you don't want to go to hell, you need to go to the goingtherepodcast.com to check out all of our episodes, all of our social media. And make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube because now you can see our beautiful faces as God had intended. Michelangelo himself could not have painted such a beautiful host of panelists. You are excused. And if you want to stay in God's good graces, make sure to check out Ben Becker on his link tree at Ben Becker Music. This podcast is made possible by its hosts and Frame One Media in association with Lindsay Baker, Joe
0: Cali, and Bobby Thomas.